Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Fantasy, best friends forever. Welcome inside Studio 34. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever, TGIF. Boy, have I never, ever meant that more. And today, Friday, February 15th, it's been a long, long week. We're going to go for two hours today. We, meaning myself, Frank Stample, and my good buddy, Andy Singleton. You can follow him on Twitter over at People's Pen, People's with a Z. Another day, another start, which means I have to get something off my chest first and foremost. Uh, before we get into the show, look, we're going to have a lot of fun today. We are going to continue talking about players that we love for the upcoming fantasy baseball season for 2019. We're going to have Tim McLeod of Prospect361.com on later on in the show to talk about his labor mixed draft team that he had drafting out of the two spot. But as I mentioned, first and foremost, just going to give a shout out to my good buddy, Scott Engel. Everybody knows the news. You've heard it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be in this business if it weren't for Scott. Uh, you know, he gave me my first opportunity. So, you know, look, I'm forever grateful to Scott. They call him the king for a reason. I have no doubts that he's going to land back on his feet. Just wanted to get that out there first and foremost. I mentioned that we're going two hours today. What's up? <laughs> Thanks, Pavona. <laughs> um, I mentioned that we're going to go two hours today. That's going to be it's going to be the norm moving forward as well. We're not here on Monday. There's no programming on Monday, but starting Tuesday and moving forward, myself, Greg Sussman, we'll try and get some guests in studio. We'll have some Chris Venture on the show. We're going to be going for two hours. By no means am I trying to replace Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. He's, you know, he's one of a kind. Corey's one of my friends as well. I've spoken to him. We're on good terms. Uh, you know, for anyone who's out there who might be saying, like, Frank and Greg are behind this, by no means is that true. Um... You know, if you've watched the show, if you know my relationship with Corey, then you know the truth. You know that, you know, it's all in good love. Uh, we're friends. So just thought I'd uh, throw that out there as well. Shout out to uh, Corey Parson and Scott Engel. But that's it for the show. I don't want to talk about that for the, re- for the rest of the show today. Uh, again, I want to have fun. Andy, how did you sleep last night? How was your Valentine's Day? My Valentine's Day was fine. My Valentine's Day was great. It was a relief uh, from the chaos i apparently walked into yesterday i was fielding a lot of tweets um that i felt like i was caught in the crosshair so um happy to be back for two hours today to try to have some fun talk some fantasy baseball all the guys you mentioned i spoke with them individually yesterday so i'm wishing them as well as well uh scott as you mentioned has landed now fan tracks where i used to be so uh congrats to you scott and everything else going on but uh i'm i'm just here to have fun and talk some baseball and hopefully make some winners out of the people watching and listening to us today I was getting good reviews. They liked the show we had yesterday. I wore my FDNY baseball hat today uh, to keep us in the mood and the spirit. I mentioned to you yesterday, and I'll keep it right at the top here. Uh, I failed to mention it because we had short time, but uh, I just want to give a quick nod. A lot of people know that I'm a firefighter in my main world and main life. Uh, I do this fantasy stuff on the side, but I just wanted to put the cap to uh, – 
Detective Mark Simonson, who uh, unfortunately from PD lost his life this week. Um, so just keep, you know, civil service workers in your thoughts and prayers on a daily basis. And uh, with that being said, let's 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 get on to some more players we love for the 2019 fantasy baseball season. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it's about today, Andy. You know, I want to have some fun. I want to talk some fantasy baseball. That's exactly what it's about. Uh, let's jump right back in. You know, yesterday we were, was Valentine's Day. We want to talk about some players that we loved. I mentioned, you know, I wanted to do a segment with the Sweetheart Candies. I couldn't find the Sweetheart Candies anywhere, so I kind of threw a wrench in everything. But I looked up the original sayings of the Sweetheart Candies. And once again, you know, I was trying to find players that would match up how I feel regarding those sayings on the candies. Yesterday we did Be Mine. Uh, we also did a little bit of Cutie Pie. But we have a lot more players to get to. I mean, I, you know. I build an extensive rundown. It's what I do, Andy. Uh, you know, so we have a lot of players still that we need to get to. I have no doubts that we'll be able to fill the time here. We'll get into those guys right now. now. Cutie Pie. Again, this was somebody who wasn't the hottest. Maybe last year, not the hottest this year. Maybe going a little bit later on in drafts. But he has potential. Potential. You say Kikuchi. Yeah, that's my guy. You don't say, Andy Singleton. You're buying in on Kikuchi. Uh, the latest Japanese import for the Seattle Mariners this season, going around pick 180. So, you know, I think he's, you know, barely inside the top 40 starting pitchers. I would say that's kind of like around the range that he's being drafted right now. Uh, the Mariners have already come out and said for this season, they're, you know, they're going to put a cap on his innings. You know, he's not going to go much more than 150, 160 innings pitched. But I assume if you have him on the list, this list, you are thinking that he's going to be pretty good in those innings that he does pitch. I do say, you say. And just real quick before we get into this, as, as you mentioned with the candies, I got home yesterday. You're asking me how my Valentine's Day was. The wife said, how'd the show go? I said, great, but we couldn't find these candies to go with Don't the tell me you had them at your house. No, she said, that's ridiculous. You can find them everywhere. So I walked to the two nearest drugstores. I think they were both Rite Aids. Did you get them? No, they're sold out Those everywhere. So this is completely, uh, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm not calling you a, a liar, Mrs. Singleton. No, no, no. This is, uh, well, she was shocked as well. Shocked and dismayed that the candies we grew up on. This is this would be like Easter without peeps. Exactly. And I know Howard Bender would be livid if that were the case. But, uh, I mean, this this is this is a travesty, I think, for Valentine's I Day to not I, have these candies. But I thought I saw somewhere that they were going to be discontinued. Maybe that actually happened. It, it might have. I mean, that, might that actually would be a tragedy. Either that or you have to do I mean, the even Valentine's Day. if you don't like Day. the candies, you still got to make them. Even if they don't sell, I don't care if they sell or not. You got to make them. It's Valentine's they Day. They might have made a limited quantity and they were sold out by the 10th. Who knows? But, you know, we were shopping on the 14th. We were the last minute shoppers yesterday. But, um, I mean, what do you like about Yusei Kikuchi? Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, the Mariners just released a video of this guy uh, two days ago, slow motion video. His ball, uh, the, the way he hides the ball is, is second to none. This is... Yep. Ridiculous, silky smooth lefty delivery. His numbers weren't spectacular. They don't jump out at the page at you uh, from you know from overseas, but they weren't bad. They were very good. We'll put it like that. Very good. Maybe a top thirty pitcher in America had he done that in the major leagues. Now he's got some injury concerns, everything like that. But he's a lefty. I love lefties. He's already the Mariners' ace. He's twenty seven. I was mentioning yesterday. I love that age window from twenty seven to thirty two for athletes, in particular baseball players. There's just every a lot of things that scream out to me that I like his his walk uh, his walk rate has always been below three per nine, his K rate is just about nine per nine, which I think will slightly tick up just a touch in the majors, uh, which makes him a, a, that top thirty to fifty window I am looking for for a pitcher, and we were talking about the cap on him. There really is no definition to this. They said he's going to make his regular starts. I don't know what that means. So I'm. 
looking at 150 innings out of this guy. And if he can give me 150 innings with a low ERA and, and the low peripherals, then I'm happy that he's going to fall into that, like I said, top 30 to 50 starting pitcher range. And from where he's being drafted at 180 overall, that's right in my wheelhouse. Shout out to Perry in the chat. Informing me that the Sweetheart Candies weren't available this year due to a change in company owner. Mm. That's the latest on the Sweetheart Candy fiasco here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. But you know what? We still got the sayings. We're still going to talk about the players we like. Look, you say Kikuchi. I saw the video. Uh, I encourage everyone to go out there and, and check out the Seattle, Seattle Mariners Twitter and watch this slow motion video. What Andy said about him being able to hide the ball is absolutely right. It was spectacular. Um, he also has a little herky-jerk uh, delivery that we see from a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, Asian starting pitchers that come over. He's got like a little hesitation. Like a pause. He's a lefty. Um, you know, it's really fun to watch, too. You know, I love watching, uh, you know, th- those, those weird deliveries, those hesitations, too. So uh, not only are we expecting some pretty good things out of Kikuchi this year, um, he's going to be fun to watch. Uh, so I think... I think he's a better pitcher for for Roto than he is for like head to head points. And head to head points, I'm gonna hammer on these uh, these points a lot. Is that you want innings, you want durability. Uh, you maybe don't worry about how great a pitcher is gonna be on a per start basis. Obviously, you want them to be good, but you want quality starts when it comes to points leagues. You want durability. You want guys that are gonna go deep into games. Kikuchi strikes me more as a guy for Roto, Andy, because I think you know he might be around that. 8Ks per nine, and he's going to be 150 to 160 innings pitch. And, you know, maybe he won't go super deep into games. Maybe he's, you know, five, six innings pitch. But we've seen, especially with other pitchers, you know, in this ilk uh, with guys, uh, who am I thinking of right here? From uh, from the Dodgers. He doesn't go Maeda? Deep into, yeah, Maeda. He doesn't go deep into games. He only goes five, six innings pitch. But what he gives you in those five, six innings are really, really great for Roto. So for me personally, I think Kikuchi is a better fit for Roto than he is for uh, head-to-head points leagues. Uh, but there's a lot to be excited about there. Look, he doesn't blow you away. He's not going to throw 95, 96 miles per hour. But He doesn't need to, though. You know, you know he, he, he can hide the ball. He can throw his 91, 92, 93, mix in his secondary pitches as well. Uh, you know, over on Fangraphs, the bat projections have him projected for, you know, right around 9Ks per 9, 3.96 ERA. Again, these, can, these projections tend to be a little bit more conservative, so... Uh, if you're on the higher end of these projections, maybe you think Kikuchi could get to a 3-7, 3-6 ERA with, you know, near uh, a strikeout per inning. Uh, but that's what we have here on Kikuchi this year. That is one of Andy Singleton's cutie pies for this season. Uh, yeah, he, he, he knows what he's doing. I, 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 like, I like what he's working with, and uh, I'm not worried. And that seems to be what's driving the draft prices, the worry of the cap that you mentioned. I'm just looking for 150 innings from him, and I think that's attainable. Regardless, if he makes every start, if, if he's pulled after five or six in those starts, um, I, I'm not worried about that. Give me 150 innings, and I'll be happy with you, especially on, uh, for the return on investment at 180. You'll be happy with you, say. I, I will. I say I will. <laughs> look, 150, 160 innings pitched. Let's just look at the nature of the starting, posi- uh, starting pitcher position right now. How many innings are you realistically projecting for a guy like James Paxton? How many innings are you projecting for a guy like Noah Syndergaard? As much, as much as we love these guys and as talented as they are, you can't really project them for much more than 160 innings pitched. They haven't done it the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I would hope for, for those two guys in particular, I'd hope for 180. Yeah, and, and but, don't get me wrong. Look, they're much better than Kikuchi, like on a per-start basis and they're talent-wise. I'm just trying to draw the comparison to starting pitching in general. 
There's not a lot of guys that are going to go much more than 160 innings pitch. Right, but the, we're talking about the difference, and, and that goes back to the draft price. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Right. Like those guys, you have to pay, you know, third, fourth round draft price, and rightfully so. But again, it's like there's not a lot of pitchers that are going to go that deep. Andy, Mike Soroka is a guy that I've been all over in best ball drafts to this point. He's going at pick 300 right now in NFBC ADP. You're getting him super late. I understand that there's risk with you don't know if he's going to start in the Braves rotation. Uh, as of right now, it, it looks like Tuki Tucson and Mike Soroka are going to be battling for that fifth starting pitcher job in the rotation for the Atlanta Braves. But Mike Soroka was a guy that I was touting heavily last year. And yeah, I look at those minor league numbers and, you know, not huge sample size, doesn't miss a lot of bats. But he does induce a lot of ground balls. He has great numbers in the minors. Last year, five starts, 27 innings pitched at AAA. Uh, he did have the K per nine over 10. Me, personally, I'm not expecting that. But he had a 70% ground ball rate. He had a 2 ERA. He had a FIP and an XFIP, both below 2.21. So even though he might not be in the rotation to start, uh, you have questions about his innings this year as well. This is a prospect in Mike Soroka that I really do like. He averaged 7.3 Ks per nine last year, uh, but the swinging strike rate was up over 10. It was around 10.7%. So me personally, I think he could be an eight strikeouts per nine kind of pitcher with a really good ground ball rate. Do you like Soroka as well or, or kind of out here? No, I love the big Canadian, and he is the big Braves' Canadian. best pitcher. Now, you mentioned the K per nine. The power numbers are not exactly as sexy as some of the other players, but he he's undoubtedly... I should say undoubtedly. He, he's more than likely the Braves' best pitcher of, the, of this crop of youngsters coming up in, in terms of being a complete guy. He's been the one that drew the Maddox you know, comps when, when you talk about the trio from, what was it, the 90s that the Braves had with Glavin and Smoltz and all these guys. So um, Soroka's that guy. He could be the anchor for this rotation going forward, and he's only going to be, what is it, 21 in, in August, so he's still a youngster. Uh, you don't like to see the shoulder injury that he had last year that shelved him and put him on the 60-day DL and everything like that, but all indications are he's recovered from that. He's healthy. We had Dr. Ray on yesterday talking about Lindor's calf and how you know youth serves to healing. So you, you take another five years off of Soroka. I'm happy to say, yes, I, I trust that he, if the doctors are saying he's fully healed, he's ready to come back. I'm trusting it. I'm believing it for now. Until you prove me wrong a couple times, I'll take your word for it. Maybe I'm a little naive in that regard, but fine, I'll believe it. And where he's going, the what the return that he can give you for where he's going doesn't even come close. So it costs you nothing to grab him at 300, and he can legitimately turn in a top 30 season as a starting pitcher. So, yeah, I'd be happy to take him everywhere I could. I'm looking at the hard hit rate from last year, Andy, 29.4%. So, you know, it's not like he was giving up hard contact. He got the ground ball rate at 44%. You look at the arsenal here, and you'll see on fan graphs, 68.3% uh, fastball rate. And that might worry some people. But if you look right below that, the pitch info, pitch type, he throws his four-seamer 29.4% of the time. He throws a sinker 39% of the time. So he throws two different iterations of the fastball, but he also mixes in a slider and a changeup. To me, there's a lot to like about Mike Soroka. I'm with you. That, you know, he's going right around pick 300 right now, and he's a guy that could return, you know, top 40, maybe even top 30 if everything works out correctly, starting pitcher value this season. Uh, let's get to this guy a little bit before the break. Well, real, real quick, can we yep. come back to Soroka when we have Tim on? Because Tim, of course, being Canadian, he might have some things he could share with us <laughs> about Soroka. Eh? Mike Soroka, hey, let's, um, you know, we could, we could ask him about Soroka for sure. Uh, coming up later on in the show, Andy... 
The player that you have here as your cutie pie, your second cutie pie, was someone that Florio and myself got into screaming matches over last year. Because, nice. I like it. As you know, as everybody knows, who's ever owned this player, he does have loads of potential. And I can't dispute that at all. But we now have a near 500 inning sample size, which includes 89 starts, where this pitcher has a 4.65 ERA. I get it. He has a 3.68 FIP. He has a 3.54 XFIP. He has a 3.68 Sierra. The skills are there. He gets strikeouts. He gets ground balls. The command has gotten better. There's everything you want to like about a 27-year-old potential breakout starting pitcher in John Gray. But unfortunately, Andy, and we'll just kind of like tease this up a little bit before the break, talk about it when we get back. We don't play in XFIP leagues. We play in ERA leagues. That's fair, and that's fine to say. I'm looking at Gray as more of a points league guy. I prefer points leagues personally, head-to-head points leagues. Gray, Gray is that standout points league pitcher for me. We'll get back into him, though. We'll get back we'll, into John Gray. We'll, we'll dive sure. a little deeper. I, you know, I got a, I got a lot on my chest. <laughs> I was yelling at Florio last year. John Gray did perform when he, when Where he was came Sussman back from the minor leagues. I think he was closer to me. This is a Fantasy Best Friends Forever. We'll be here for two hours today. Take you up until 2 p.m. That's Andy Singleton. Follow him on Twitter at People's Pen. I'm Frank Sample. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 It's calling the shot. I still don't believe that Colin Kaepernick actually wants to play football anymore. What do most athletes do when their time has come and gone but they still believe they can play in that professional league? They post videos, they go on talk shows, they go on TV shows, they make their face seen, they make their voice heard. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. So I hope you can stand the vibration, because we're about to rock the entire nation. Alright? Here we go. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need maybe on draft night or something when I have a few, uh, a few adult spirits working in me. Come on, 
gonna be you're gonna be on the BFS. You gotta sing and dance a little. No, that's what you I and Greg are for. That's what you and Greg are for. Right. I, I come in and try to try to just lay the facts. You know, you guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate the help. As always, that is Andy Singleton. I am Frank Sanfalus, the fantasy best friends forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Before the break, we spoke a little bit about John Gray. And look, again, I'm just going to I'm going to echo a lot of the same things. I'll, I'll give you your piece on him. I understand you, know, you like him a little bit more for head-to-head points leagues. Um, he's thrown 168 or more innings pitch in two of the past three years, 2017. He was limited to 110 innings pitch. Again, in head-to-head points leagues, I like to get pitchers that are going to give me innings, go deeper into games. I do think there's a chance that John Gray can do that. Uh, but it's just about how effective is he going to be when he's on the mound, when he's in Coors Field, when he's in Colorado, because, look, 5.12 ERA last year, and the underlying numbers look very good. I just worry that we've had enough of a sample size here for John Gray. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. You know, uh, with guys like Herman Marquez and, and Kyle Freeland, they've kind of learned how to pitch in Coors Field, and, and they've been they've been successful at doing so. It seems like John Gray hasn't really been able to figure it out, Andy. Well, you mentioned you know giving you innings. A, a, a third of his starts were seven innings or more. A bunch more were six innings, a couple of six and two-thirds. So he's right there. So I, I feel comfortable that he's going to give me the innings. I mean, let's be honest. This is more a gut feel than anything else. We mentioned he just turned 27. I, I can't reiterate enough how much I like that age window. So he's right there for me in those regards. I don't think he's as bad as what he showed in 2018. He did have that electric, what was it, month and full of games. I don't think he's going to do that again and put it across the whole season. But as you mentioned, his control has gotten much better. He's under three walks per nine. He does throw enough ground balls to to make you believe that that's a solid skill in his bag. The Ks are up there. He's still a power pitcher, averaging you know 10-plus per nine. And with the emergence of Marquez and Kyle Freeland, the pressure is a little bit off of him. He could be he's That's a good point. slated to be the third pitcher in this rotation now. There's not as much expected of him. You know, I talked about Marquez yesterday. He's looked at, looked at as the ace now. Maybe that's to his, you know, eventual downfall. I'm hoping not. But uh, John Gray doesn't have that same weight on his shoulders. And, again, he, he had that month. He was a light out in July. Do I think? July. 1.66 ERA. He went 2-0. and oh. He uh, limited opposing batters to a 137 batting average, 17 strikeouts, and 21 and two thirds innings pitch. Yeah, it was, and and you saw though with those with those great ERA numbers that his strikeouts were down a little. He wasn't even at nine per nine in that frame. So yeah. maybe maybe he'll take something from that. Maybe you'll see the K's come down a little, but the overall results will be better. So I, I either way. Either John Gray you get, I think you're still going to get production out of him. And again, this is more so from a points league. Uh, if you're playing in a roto league, I'd be a little bit more hesitant, especially, you know, his, his draft price isn't tremendous, but it's enough that maybe you'd prefer somebody else in that range. And I couldn't fault you for that. But John Gray is just a guy that I'm saying, I'll be happy to have you on my roster and in my rotation. And if I'm looking at you as one of the bottom guys, then, hey, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to rely on you too much. And, and I'd be able to cut bait with you if... You know, we got off to a bad start, so I'm taking John Gray. There are two sides to every coin. There are two sides to every story, as as we're obviously learning here. Uh, July, 1.66 ERA, as Andy likes to reference. I'll give you his ERA by month uh, and every other month. March, 6.75. April, 5.65. 
May 5.57, June 6.00, August 4.01, September 7.20. And yeah, I'm not just trying to rain on your parade. I actually hope that Michael Florio is either watching or listening to this or listens to this at some point. Mike, please just don't draft John Gray. From the bottom of my heart, I need to tell you that. Mike, do it. Love you. Do it, Mike. Valentine's Day just passed. Do not draft John Gray. Do it, Mike. I'm with you. Mike, Mike, and Mike's a point guy, too. So maybe that's it why is. we both see the goodness in John Gray, because Mike and I share that affinity for at Dad Points Weeks. This is our claim to fame. So there you go. Maybe that's why uh, we're in the Gray bandwagon. Yeah. in the gray, we'll, we'll, we'll just call it the Gray area there for John Gray. It works. Uh, we got a... The next Sweetheart Candy up saying that we have is is Forever. You, you've seen the Sweetheart Candies. You've probably seen the Forever saying on one of these. It's somebody you always draft and will never quit. That's what I want to focus on here. You touched on this guy a little bit yesterday, Andy, uh, and that's Yuli Gurriel. Whether you play in points leagues or roto leagues, I think that he can provide value because in head-to-head points leagues, he doesn't strike out. He makes a lot of contact. Uh, he's a little aggressive. Maybe he doesn't walk all that much, but you don't lose points for the strikeouts, and he hits a lot of doubles, too. All those things factor into being a pretty good head-to-head points league player. Would I want him as my starting first baseman? Probably not. I'd probably ra- rather have him as my corner infielder or utility. But even for Roto categories, at pick 188, there are not a lot of hitters that are going to help you in the batting average category at that point. Yuli Gurriel is one of those guys that is going to help you in the batting average category, and he plays in a really good lineup, and he's going to play every single day. So there are going to be counting stats there as well. I think that there's value to be had here regardless of format, Andy. Well, you look at the Astros lineup, and you think it's going to be better than what it was last year. Go back two years ago to their Everybody know, was hurt last World year. Series. Exactly. So you get hopefully you get your studs back. You get Correa back, who is right now my pick for MVP. Hot take, bold prediction. I don't, I don't know what you'd call it, but I, I have Carlos Correa packed as my AL MVP going into the season. Uh, so if the <laughs> we can do, do a whole other show on that. If the uh, <laughs> if the lineup comes back to fruition, then then he's like you said, the counting stats are going to be there. He's not going to get you much power. Fifteen home runs would be you know you'd take it. No steals, no speed, but he's a two ninety hitter. Eighty five RBI last year. I mean, he's going to get you seventy five thirty six inning, uh, one hundred thirty six games. Right. So even let's he has say ninety plus RBI upside, and he has he's a career two ninety one hitter. Right. He's at the major league level. He's most likely going to miss when 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 you added up a season uh, a month over the course of the season and give you that you know one hundred thirty to one hundred forty games. But he's going to help your averages significantly. First base, again, is not deep this year. So you're going to get a guy that's going to give you 290, guaranteed, and 75-plus in runs and RBI. So you're going to get some of those counting stats as well. He's a true three-category contributor. And at a, at a position that's not deep, whether you want to take him as your starting first baseman later on or grab him as a backup or your, your corner outfielder, uh, not corner outfielder, uh, corner infielder, your CI, However you want to get him into your lineup, getting him into your lineup is going to help you, not hurt you. And it's not sexy, but people pass on it for that reason. I won't. Yeah, and it's a roster construction thing. That's what a lot of, you know, we'll say that about a lot of players this year, especially for Roto. At that point in the draft, you know, pick 180, 190, yes, you're drafting for upside, but you're also drafting to fill categories. You need to just keep track of your stats throughout your rotisserie draft, and you need to figure out, okay, I need batting average, I need runs, I need RBI. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for Yuli Gurriel here. As Andy mentioned, he's a three-category contributor. I can't disagree with anything that you said. Uh, Carlos Correa, maybe if you want to disagree later on in the show, uh, we could do a whole Carlos Correa segment. But we'll see where he went in the labor draft, and, and we'll kind of get into it there. But 
a guy that I just can't quit, and it seems like I have at least one share of this guy every single year, and I realize he's a roller coaster. So, you know, for uh, for head-to-head leagues, whether it's points or category head-to-head leagues, his weekly output is going to be frustrating. There are weeks where he might help you win. There are weeks where he might help you lose. The player I'm talking about is Justin Upton. You look at his month-by-month, like OPS, by season, uh, by by month within each season, it'll be, you know, one month he'll hit 200, he'll give you a 650 OPS. The next month he'll hit 350, he'll give you a 900 OPS. That's the nature of Justin Upton. But he's a perfect rotisserie player, in my opinion, Andy, because you can just kind of set your watch with Justin Upton. Look, he's not going to give you a great batting average. He's going to hit, you know, 250 to 260. He'll hit in that range. He's always had problems with strikeouts, but he hits the ball extremely hard. The past three years... You can count on Justin Upton for 30-plus home runs, 80-plus runs, 85-plus RBIs. And you're getting him at pick, what do we have here with Justin Upton? 96? Yeah. It seems like a pretty good value, man. Like, you're getting this guy as your outfield three, maybe your outfield two. Roto, you're just setting your your watch. You're getting 30, 80, 80, and a 250 to 260 batting average in an okay lineup out there with the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. You don't seem as... As excited about Justin Upton as I do. Uh, well, only because he's a top 100 guy now. And I've mentioned in how first base is not the deepest position. Outfield is right there as well. Outfield is not deep at all. Especially when you consider in bare minimum, you got to have three outfielders in majority leagues. Some are five. You know, Most Roto leagues are five. So right. So, it, it, I mean. You have to be conscious of this position. At least three. Most likely five. And it's already shallow to begin with. So, when you talk about a guy like Upton, sure. The problem I see with Upton, and and he's like a he's like a, a a lesser version of Chris Davis at this point with the average, the power. You're, you're getting Chris power. Chris Davis with a K. Chris Crush. Chris Crush. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because I two forty seven. We should probably just say yeah. That's a that's a good way to refer to him. Two forty seven. Chris Davis days. in Baltimore doesn't even exist anymore. So no, and I'm I'm looking. Just wipe him from our our minds, our I, memories. I can't even find. Uh, I can't even find Davis's ADP right now on NFBC. So if you can, if you can, but it's definitely top fifty. It was one of Lore's favorite guys, and uh, rest in peace to Lore Michaels. He's picked forty-four. Baseball legend. So he's going at the end of round three in fifteen-team leagues. Right. So you, it's double what Justin Upton will cost you. So if you miss out on a guy like Chris Davis, then grab yourself an Upton later on. Fine. But if you're one of these guys that's taking Davis, then you don't want to double down on that same type of production with the Justin Upton because it's just going to sink your average. Now you got two guys to worry about. Yeah. But again, you know, well, again, a lot of, a lot in Roto is roster construction. So you need to be able to look at your team and say, all right, well, maybe I drafted a Joey Votto or I drafted a Paul Goldschmidt early on, or I, or I drafted an Altuve. So I know I'm getting batting average from those guys. Maybe I can afford to take the hit with two sluggers like Chris Davis and Justin Upton. It all comes down to roster construction. You have to, you have to know what you're pumping into your team, and you have to have realistic expectations. In my opinion, you know, Justin Upton is not going to hit higher than 275, and that's like, that's, and, that, and that's being that's super optimistic. optimistic. Yeah. He did it two years ago. He did it in 2017. He hit 273, but if I'm just projecting him, I'm probably projecting for a 255 batting average. But I really just love the power production that you could just set yourself to. And, you know, again, this was the forever sweetheart. Justin Upton has always been my guy. Since he, you know... Me and him basically came into baseball together. And I say baseball, and me, fantasy, and Justin Upton, real baseball. You know, I started playing fa- fantasy baseball when I was in high school. I graduated high school in 2009. So I think I started playing, like, my junior year, 2008, 2009. That's when Justin Upton really came into the league and started bursting onto the scene. Right. So I, I associate me starting playing fantasy baseball with Justin Upton. 
Did you He's have been BJ one of my too? Guys. What's up? Did you have BJ too? <laughs> I did have a few shares of BJ Upton early on in his career. Uh, and Andrew McCutcheon's another one of those guys who I, I've always, you know, when I started playing fantasy, um, I, I broke in with, you know, when those were the top prospects and these guys were, you know, making a name for themselves and they took the league by storm. Now, I'm not just going to draft them because they were my guys. Like, there are still, t- uh, there's statistical evidence that shows you why I want to draft them. Yeah, and I, I just kind of like what Justin Upton can provide. Zach Godley. Yeah. Zach Godley is your guy, is your pitching forever. Going at pick 247, you're getting him at a much later price this year than you were at this time a year ago. Yeah. In 2017, he was going around the Luis Castillos of the world. He was being drafted as the top 30 starting pitcher. And I was all over Godley. But it was a train wreck last year, Andy. What do you like about his bounce back potential in 2019? It's not necessarily bounce back potential. I don't know that it was such a train wreck that people want to say it was. When you look at the overall numbers, they they weren't tragic. And I wouldn't say train wreck either, but I just in the perspective of where he was drafted and what you were well, expecting out of him. And that's the problem. The expectations were too high for him. This but you know never, what? Luis Castillo didn't live up to expectations either. But he's younger. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking... That Godley's kind of a journeyman years, guy. A couple years. We're talking two years difference between Castillo, but the, yeah. the, the electricity of the fastball with Castillo and what you think of him as being the power on. But that Godley's a, a over 9 per 9 k guy. He, he gets you the strikeouts. Uh, his control really lacked in 2018 and the walks were above four uh, led to the ERA being just below five. You don't like the fact that he's in Arizona humidor or not, but I mean the, the numbers that he's still an elite ground ball pitcher, which uh, he fits my pitching profile. I want uh, an elite ground ball pitcher that's capable of getting me a strikeout per inning and, and keeping the walks at a minimum. And that's what he does. And he got 15 wins as a result of it. How many pitchers are getting you 15 wins last year? And he was at 178 in the third inning. So that's that 180 mark we were talking about before. I mentioned yesterday there's only about a dozen guys getting you 200 innings this, uh, you know, in, in any given season these days. 180 is still a, a pretty high number for a starting pitcher. So he's that innings eater, modern-day innings eater. He's an elite ground ball pitcher. He's going to get you wins. You'd hope. I mean, I know the offense has shifted a little in Arizona. but No you more still, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, you still think they're going to put up an offense there. Uh, and he's going to get you the case. He's not, he's not going to he's not going to hurt you in any one category. So if you if you're looking for him to be your starting pitcher two or three, then yeah, you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking at him as more like your four or your five, you're going to be excited because he's going to back up the back of your rotation with solid consistency. That's how I feel at least. Zach Godley. Uh, some pitchers that are going around Zach Godley right now. I'll just throw some names at you. Jesus Luzardo. Look, he's a pitching. He's the pitching prospect out in Oakland. Everyone's excited about right now. Uli um, Chasin, Ronaldo Lopez, Jimmy Nelson. I mean, there are some. There are some guys here that that have some upside. Like Ronaldo Lopez throws extremely hard, but doesn't miss a lot of bats. Uh, Jimmy Nelson. We saw what he did a couple of years ago. He didn't pitch at all last year. So there's definitely some concern there. This is this is a pretty good area for starting pitching, Andy. Like for you to just take. Shots on, like, upside guys here. Yeah. Godley, Jesus Luzardo, Ronaldo Lopez, Jimmy Nelson. That's a pretty good spot. That's a pretty good spot in the draft. You're getting these guys really late, too. After I, 240. I absolutely love Luzardo, and I'm right there with you. If it were between Godley and Luzardo, I'd still probably take Godley just because I don't know exactly when Luzardo gets the call, whether, you know, he starts the season in the pros, which 
likely not. They didn't call him up last year. He was having this great run throughout the, the minor leagues, got to AAA, where he kind of stalled a little, but was the PCL where, you know, you get inflated offenses there. So they I, need pitching, though, in Oakland, man. They do. They need pitching bad. Got like Mike Fires in there still. <laughs> well, they traded for Marco Estrada. But you also have, you know, you, you also have the, the service time game they can play with him now, especially yeah, since sure. they haven't, you know, tapped that seal yet. So I don't know that he's up right away. May 1st. May 1st, and, Jesus Luzardo. And that's a fair number, but I'm already missing out on range of 25 innings at that point that I'm, I'm getting from Godley. So I would take the known with Godley. It depends on the league. It depends. If it's a keeper league, I'm taking Luzardo. Oh, for sure. If it's a, if it's a redraft league, or a, a, a money league, uh, not, I shouldn't say money league, but like um, draft and hold, something like that. Best ball, I'd probably take Lazardo because I'm not so worried about individual week to week. I want the best week, and midseason on, Lazardo could provide that better week. Um, but your typical redraft league, I, I'd be taking the known quantity and Godly. We'll say this about Godly. I owned a lot of shares of Godly last year. He burned me. He got the strikeouts. I hear what you're saying. He gets ground balls. 51.6% ground ball rate for his career. So I absolutely love that. The past two seasons, he's been up over a strikeout per inning. Last year, the walks per nine were up over four. So he yeah. struggles with command. I watched a lot of his games last year. This guy throws his curveball 40% of the time. Yeah, that's, he, that's what he's killed He's not him. like other pitchers. Like, he pitches off his curveball. Like, he'll throw first pitch curveball. He doesn't care. But it's hard for him to control that curveball a lot of the time. So that wow. godly man burned me last year. A lot of people are going to go back to the well. I get it. He's going late. Coming up next, we'll have Tim McLeod of Prospect 361 on to talk about his labor draft. It's 15-team mixed league experts draft. Andy Singleton, Frank Stample, Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Love it. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTS Web Radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Rain dance! Make it rain. You might not have to worry about Anthony Davis uh, moving forward. He's gone now. I don't think you'll ever, ever see him. And it sounds like from the coach there and from others around, they could not be happier that he might actually be hurt and they won't have to deal with him anymore. Because when you got a coach that has no problem coming out saying, it's a dumpster fire, people, then guess what? It's a dumpster fire. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. 
Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Stample joined in studio by my good buddy Andy Singleton this week. Helping out with Greg Sussman out this week down in Florida. Enjoying his That's vacation. That was a tongue twister. Yeah, that was, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. But I would like to welcome in right now Tim McLeod of Prospect 361. Had the second pick in the labor draft that happened just the other night. Tim What's going on, man? How's everything? Everything's great, Frank. Thanks so much for having me on. Looking forward to talking some labor love. Again, you can uh, you can go check out some of Tim's work at prospect361.com. Uh, I, I tweeted out the link of the draft if you want to follow along and, and kind of see what we're talking about here. Tim had the second overall pick. Look, there's not much discussion there. I mean, if you want to get cute and take someone other than Trout or Betts or whatever falls to you, I mean, you can do so. I, I mean, Tim didn't do it. And I wouldn't recommend you doing so either. Uh, but he came back in the second round here. Again, this is 15-team mix. This is a rotisserie draft. And you take Whit Merrifield. And, and he's a bit polarizing this year as a second-round pick because a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to pay up for the speed. You know, he give me 40-plus stolen bases, but I really want to get that base of power. Uh, he doesn't completely kill you in the power department. You know, he'll give you 12 to 15 home runs. He also helps you out with the batting average. He's going to give you runs. Is he expected to hit in the middle of the lineup this year, too? So maybe we see an uptick in the RBIs. Uh, how do you project a guy like Whit Merrifield this year? And did you plan before the draft to take him in the second round if he were, if he were there? Yeah, he was definitely in the plan. Uh, one of my goals coming out of the first two rounds was to shore up the speed category. When you're drafting in the two spot, it's a long way until things get back to you. So I was looking at a combination of bets, Merrifield. I figure that gives me safely 65 to 70 stolen bases and basically takes uh, takes that problem right off the table. You know, the other options I was you know looking at were Starling Marte, Andrew Benatendi, hey, you you want to go on a you want to go on a serious gamble? You know, you can start looking at Alberto Mondesi. But my goal was to come out of the first two rounds solid in stolen bases, and with Betts uh, and Merrifield, I the power isn't even all that bad. Yeah, the power is not bad. Look, Betts is going to give you uh, give you thirty plus home runs. Uh, you know, he's going to come close to thirty stolen bases as well. With Merrifield, look. Uh, everyone's going to attack the stolen uh, the stolen base category a little bit differently this year. So you heard it from Tim. What he wanted to do in these first two rounds was really you know shore up some of those stolen bases. And, and there's really not much, uh, not many better options than to do so with Betts and Whitmerry Field in the first two rounds. Because again, at least those guys are not completely sinking your power. Again, we're speaking with Tim McLeod of Prospect361.com. Make sure to check out the website and. and Find some great work from Tim McLeod over there. Uh, we're reviewing the labor draft, the labor mix draft from a couple of nights ago. Uh, and kind of similar to speed, Tim, I wanted to ask you about uh, starting pitching uh, in general this year. It's a hot topic. Everyone, Everyone's going to reference, you know, the, the workhorse is kind of fading here. You know, we're not getting as many guys going 200 inning picks, not, not even really going 180 innings pitch that much anymore. Uh, so just in general... You know, you, you drafted Walker Bueller in the third round. You come back and take Mike, Mike Clevenger in the fourth round as your SP1 and your SP2. 
in general, what's your plan for attacking starting pitching and has it changed this year more so than things that you would do in the past? Yeah, I, I think my, my goal this year is to come out of the first five rounds with 400 strikeouts. Two solid pitchers, uh, an ace and a near ace. I think if you look at the way labor broke down, by the time you got to your fifth round, most teams had two starting pitchers. Uh, all the high strikeout guys are gone. And you're into the middle tier where, where you're starting to look at, you know, Jermaine Marquez, Miles Michaelis, Luis Castillo. The options thin very quickly. So uh, I'm, a, I'm big this year on getting some starting pitching early because I just don't think there's enough of it there as you move later on into the drafts, uh, Frank. Timmy, what's going on? It's Andy Singleton, your buddy. Happy to have you here today. Hey. I, uh, yeah. Nice hearing from you, Andy. You as well, my friend. Um, I'm looking at your draft here, and I'm a little curious because I was trying to see who was your your late-round guy. Last year, you were on our show, and you were touting Matt Kemp, who, of course, had the resurgence in the first year. And a lot of people are big on him now moving to Cincinnati with – his, uh, his former Dodger teammate, Yasiel Puig, and what they can do in that ballpark. But I, I noticed Trevor Rosenthal was the guy that you were taking. I was going to ask you, is he the guy you're banking on becoming the closer uh, and taking over the duties from Doolittle in Washington? But then I saw you took Rosenthal exactly one pick ahead of Matt Kemp. And the reason this was interesting to me is because you only drafted five outfielders. So you passed on a guy that you've been big on in the past where you could have had him right there. So what was your... What was your thinking behind that move? Well, you look at uh, Sean Doolittle, and I don't think he's ever made it through a season healthy. Uh, there's a reason that Washington went out and grabbed Tre Trevor Rosenthal, and I, I'm counting on 10 saves minimum out of Rosenthal this year. As far as my outfield, one of, my, one of the other reasons that I liked Whit Merrifield is he qualifies in the outfield, Andy. So I do have a six outfielder. It's just sort of half hidden. I, I get it now. And when you put it like that, then yes, that's uh, that's not horrible at all. And, and, and Garrett, Garrett Hampton would be your second baseman, I'm guessing, who's, yes. who's, who's, uh, who's leapfrogged Brendan Rodgers in that organization. So what, what, while we're uh, going with the outlooks, what's your, what's your outlook for Garrett Hampton? Uh, I'm expecting big things, but it was definitely – uh, a turning point and probably the biggest risk that I took in this draft, Andy, uh, by taking Hampson, what it did was it reduced the odds of me getting a, a solid SP three. And I was looking at guys like Pavetta, Andrew Heaney, uh, Kikuchi, Erod, and I was really hoping Shane Bieber would fall to me. They all went. So I, had to go to plan B on my pitching. And it's going to be the one area that I've got the most work to do in season. But I just liked the idea. I, th I think you can count on Hampson for 30-plus stolen bases. And he shored up my middle infield in a big way. So I was prepared to take the risk that the pitching didn't come back. It didn't. So now i got some work to do. We're speaking with Tim McLeod of Prospect361.com, going over his labor mixed league draft. He was drafting out of the two-hole. Tim, I wanted to piggyback off that Garrett Hansen a little bit because he's going very late in drafts. I'm trying to figure out why because it's, it's a great hitting environment in Colorado, obviously. I mean, even if he bats lower in the order, uh, the stolen base upside is huge. I mean, this guy has posted some big stolen base seasons down in the minors, and I think he has a pretty good bat and plate discipline too. You know, he walked a lot last year. 
Um, but I, I do think that the bat works there. The only thing that I could think of uh, of why Garrett Hampson goes where he does in drafts is because, you know, Andy referenced Brendan Rodgers being in the organization. Ryan McMahon could also play some second base if Garrett Hampson were to struggle. Uh, what are some of the other downsides that you see with Garrett Hampson outside of, you know, this, those other prospects that are in the organization? Because I think if he hits and if he runs well, he's going to play. Yeah, I think he's going to play as well. You know, Colorado had the opportunity last year to give Ryan McMahon at bats, and they didn't. So I'm not anticipating Ryan McMahon being a factor. And I think Rogers still needs a little bit of work at AAA. So I think that uh, the Rockies will give uh, Gary Hampson a real solid addition. And I think he's ready. I think he can do the job. And I'm real excited to see what this kid brings to the table this year, guys. So I'm I'm looking at your catcher, and I love that you backed up your love for Danny Jansen with him being your 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 battery mate for your pitching staff. But we were talking before about Mike Soroka, and this kind of felt like the perfect person to talk to you about, being that Soroka is Canadian. He's still young and in, in that prospect range, blending into the majors. You're a prospect guy and a major league guy, and of course you're Canadian. So, uh, what what's your outlook for Soroka? Are you worried about the shoulder injury? Are are you thinking he's a full Good to go this season. Are you uh, are you buying into Soroka being that top thirty ish pitcher again? I think he'll be a top thirty pitcher. I don't know if it's going to be in twenty nineteen. I think the Braves are going to take it fairly easy with Soroka. I don't think they're going to work him overly hard. And there there's a lot of pitching in Atlanta. Uh, there's no no doubt in my mind that he's got to be near the forefront of their program. But there's a lot of options right now, and I certainly like his future. But if you're counting on big innings this year, uh, I don't think he's going to be there for them. Uh, if he gets much more than 110, 120, I'd be surprised, guys. We're speaking with Tim McLeod of Prospect361.com, going over his labor draft, drafting out of the two-hole uh, Tim, I wanted to follow up from before when we uh, spoke about your SP1 and your SP2 that you ended up with there uh, with Walker Bueller in the early third round and then Mike Clevenger in the late fourth round. Walker Bueller specifically, he had elite numbers, especially in that second half, uh, but we also saw a huge jump in his innings pitch from 2017 to 2018. We saw this potentially affect a guy like Luis Severino last year. We don't know if it was the entire reason. You know, Severino, there were reports about him tipping pitches, uh, but he did see that huge jump, and then he ended up struggling in the second half last year. Does something like that worry you at all with Walker Bueller, or you're just looking at, you know, that second half and the strikeout rate and, and the great command and the fact that he gets ground balls, and you're just like, all right, I'll take the risk. I don't really care about, uh, I don't really care about the innings jump. Well, I think when you look at Bueller... Uh, he got 153 innings in in the regular season last year. And then we saw his playoff performance. Uh, I'm not concerned about the innings on Bueller. I think we're going to see 100 and, 175 to 180 innings out of the kid. Uh, stellar peripherals, close to 200 strikeouts. Um, if you ask me who the ace is in Los Angeles right now, I'm not saying Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, and I can't disagree with you either. I can't disagree with that. Look, we've seen uh, Kershaw dealing with the back injury for a few years now. Uh, the skills have also, you know, dissipated there with Kershaw. Uh, the velocity is down. So, again, we had Matt Modica on on Monday, CTM Baseball, now with The mm-hmm. Athletic, and he's a huge fan of Walker Bueller this year. And, Andy, there, you know, there's not 
there's not really much that I can go against Walker Bueller with outside of the fact that he had that huge innings jump last year. Yeah, I, I just worry about what the Dodgers do with their pitchers, and I think like can... you might see a phantom, you know, DL stint. But it, even if he pitches 160 to 100 innings pitched next year, those are going to be elite innings. Well, that's that's just the thing with Walker Bueller. It's it's quality over quantity, and you hope to get some of the quantity because of how good the quality is. Uh, I wanted to ask you about one more player you've, you've taken here, uh, Tim, while we have you, mm-hmm. and that is Jerickson Profar, who was the number one prospect in all of baseball going back a few years, seemed to have washed out and then had this major resurgence. It's moved to Oakland. People think that's not a great ballpark for him. He showed some power last year. While it might limit the power, he did a lot more than just become a power guy last year. Now he gives them added flexibility. He extends your fantasy lineups with all the positions he can play. What, what's your hope for Profar moving to Oakland? Um, I don't think we've seen the best out of Jerks in Profar. He had a good year last year. I think better things are ahead. I'm not too concerned about the ballpark at all. When I look at uh, the way I constructed my team, getting Profar in the eighth round for me is absolutely huge because he qualifies at first, shortstop, third base, and soon second base. Having a guy like Profar that I believe will produce 20-plus home runs, 10 to 15 stolen bases in Oakland, uh, with upside qualifying at all those positions is absolutely huge because we know we're going to deal with injuries during the year. And any way you can find a way to build some flexibility into your lineup, hey, it's a good thing, a very good thing. Tim McLeod, he's from Prospect 361. I would be remiss if I didn't ask him about the prospects that he drafted. Uh, you mentioned Jerks and Profar, one of uh, the former top prospects in baseball. But, Tim, I noticed you drafted Danny Jansen, who's expected to be the starting catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays this season, uh, one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball, and then also Fernando Tatis Jr., who's gained a lot of hype over the past couple of years, and rightfully so. We know what kind of you know five-tool upside he has so what can you tell us about those two specifically that ended up on your team? And when do you expect a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. to be up this season? Well, you know, hey, uh, Martin's gone out of Toronto. Danny Jansen's got the job. And I'm expecting 10 to 12 home runs, uh, maybe 60 RBIs, uh, a very solid batting average. He's demonstrated over the past couple of years that he understands the strike zone very, very well. As far as Tatis Jr., I'm expecting to see him in the second half. But one of the rules in labor is that uh, once the draft is over, you can't pick up any prospects until they have uh, time in the major leagues, one at bat or a third of an innings pitched. So when I looked at Tatis, I just decided I think he's going to demonstrate what I want and a great, great skill set overall. And I want him for the second half, and I don't want to be bidding against 14 other guys to get him. So with shortstop being so deep, I picked him up a bit early so I can stash him, much the same as I did with Mitch Keller and another young player that I like a lot. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing is Merrill Kelly in uh, Arizona, coming back from Korea. He was very successful there. So uh, he's sort of my wild card, guys. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because I was just about to ask you about Merrill Kelly. You were big on Miles Miklos. I hope I'm saying it right. I always get names wrong, but you were, you were big on him coming back to the States last year, and now Kelly's doing the same thing. What is your, what's your outlook for Kelly, and how, can he be this year's you know, flash-in-the-pan revelation like Mikolas was last year for the Cardinals? 
Well, the thing I like about Kelly is, you know, when he left to head over to Korea, he was pitching in the Rays organization. And they, he, at that point in time, he was running a, a fastball 88 to 90 miles an hour. His two principal pitches were a, a splitter and a changeup. But even with just those two pitches, uh, AAA, his ERA was under three his last year in the Tampa organization. Now he goes to Korea. All of a sudden, uh, on a good day, he can hit 97 with the fastball. He's consistently working it in the 93-94 range, limited the walks, and the other two pitches are outstanding. So I, I think he's falling a little bit under the radar right now. A uh, bit of a wild card, but if you're looking at a late-round pick, uh, I think there's some potential there, and he is going to break camp in that Diamondbacks rotation. So the opportunity is at hand, guys. That is Tim McLeod of Prospect 361. Participated in the Labor Draft just a few nights ago. He had the second pick. Uh, uh, Tim, I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks so much, Frank. Andy, uh, you have yourself just an outstanding 2019 season. Thanks again for having me on, guys. Timmy, you as well. We'll be in touch. That was Tim McLeod. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, got a little insight there into some of the prospects. Really wanted to get ask him about Dan- Danny Jansen and uh, and Fernando Tatis because look, when you, when you contribute for a website like Prospect Three Sixty One, I, I got to get some of the prospect talking there, right? Yeah, Timmy's one of the best in the business. He knows his stuff and he always brings it. I, I always enjoy talking with Timmy. And I got to meet him in person last year at the uh, Top Wars draft, so that was that was a, a, a unique honor. Coming up next will be Hour 2 of the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. That's Andy Singleton. Follow him on Twitter, at PeoplesPen. I am Frank Stanfield. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.